about that guy that shot down the helicopter with a with the arrow? <laughs> That's one of the. Uh, <laughs> you know that uh, somehow that has great overtones and ramifications and everything else. I that uh, that I I, uh, I hadn't even intended to talk about this, but I heard it on the news, and that reminded me of a thing that happened about, uh, oh, maybe it was uh, eight or nine years ago, maybe a little earlier, maybe about ten years ago. But it is a thing which was reported widely on the news. And uh, there was a guy out in Iowa someplace, and he was, he was laying in a cornfield, and he was a kid. And he had a twenty-two, just a twenty-two rifle, you know, the kind that you shoot crows with? That they that they shoot at clay pigeons with at Atlantic City and that kind. He's laying out there flat on his back in a cornfield, and an airplane goes over at about three thousand feet. And it's a it's a commercial plane, and he's just lying there. And he takes a pot shot, and down comes the airplane, <laughs> trailing sparks and smoke, and and the, and the plane the plane made a. Uh, a uh, an emergency landing in an airport there, and of course it was shot down. This guy gets credit for one victory, of course. And it was a clear-cut, uh, recognized, and authenticated victory. And uh, the, the, did you hear about that, sir? That well, you know that's that's not so funny actually. Uh, we had when I was a kid, we had uh, this is this reminds me of a lot of wild stuff like that. I as a kid, we had BB guns, which are now illegal, I understand, in most states. But uh, these were BB guns, and they shot little BBs. And uh, uh, the best BB, I'll, I'll give you the brass figurine, Dad, with oak leaf palms, if you can tell me what the best BB around was. Right, right, there's a BB gun, man. <laughs> well, uh, uh, there, was a, there was a great rumor, you see, that if you, if, you could, if you could calculate the lead right, and if you could calculate the windage properly, you could bring down a DC-3. And, uh, and, oh yes, and, and once in a while, guys, and you feel terrible guilty about it, you see. Here's a plane flying overhead about 10,000 feet, and you'd hide behind the tree, and you'd get the properly, you'd let it go. <laughs> and then you'd hide, you'd wait, you know. Kids, uh, Chris, you always have the expectation of them. It wouldn't have surprised any kid that shot a wing right off of one of them, and down it comes into the lake. And uh, it wouldn't, it just would have been part of it. But, but this kind of thing, I, I remember... I remember one day uh, along that line. I remember one day Flick is standing by the streetcar, uh, and there was a interurban. You remember the interurban cars? They're real fast electric uh, trains. The the South Shore from Chicago. They went about 100 miles an hour, and uh, Flick is maybe uh, 75 yards away from the train, and the train is ripping along at 100 miles an hour. And Flick winds up for for some just a, one of these instantaneous nutty moments. He winds up and lets go with a rock which uh, I deplore, but nevertheless he did it. He throws the rock, the rock curves, it was a beautiful shot, you never saw anything like it, and he, he hit the thing right at the top where the trolley goes, he hit that thing right on the vital spot, it blew a fuse, like that, and the smoke flies out, and he's right in the middle of the street there, the, the trolley, it stops. <laughs> what a sinking sensation, and you're you know, way down deep inside. But, but this guy shooting down, a helicopter in the middle of a modern war with arrows. This, the, there should be more made of this. I mean, this is a really. 
Yeah, it's a really interesting story, though. Uh, I wonder what, of course, the guy must have thought that he could do it if he's shooting arrows. And it probably didn't surprise him a bit. He shot it, down it came. Just another shot, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, he hit it in the vital spot. Of course, there have been, there've been a lot of stories of guys uh, shooting down airplanes with one shot. In fact, uh, several happened at Pearl Harbor. Uh, one of the most famous stories, there's a guy running out of his house and he takes a pot shot with a rifle at a passing zero. You, you remember that story. And the guy was flying right over the, the uh, rooftops, and he had strafed the uh, airport, and he was taking off over the roof, and the guy runs out of his house with a rifle and takes a quick wing shot and gets this guy right between the eyes, this, this pilot. And that was the end of it. That was the end of the ball game right there. Down he came. And uh, it was one of the first victories in, in the air war. But... Uh, the, uh, speaking of, of, the, of the air war, uh, uh, the war, the war, of course, is, is, is heating up considerably. I mean, in, in many ways, I, I was listening to, uh, to Radio Moscow the other night, and uh, it, it is a fascinating thing. I wonder why more people in America do not have shortwave radios to listen to the world. Uh, we, we don't. We don't. Uh, shortwave is very unpopular in America, and yet all over the world, any any place you go, people listen to shortwave. They really do. You go to uh, uh, almost anywhere I've ever been, the radios that people have have two bands, maybe three, and they'll listen to broadcast, sure, uh, like the local radio station. But they have that shortwave brand, and they will listen to shortwave the way most people here listen to WOR all over the world. Well, I'm listening to uh, Radio Moscow the other night, and it is, it is wild to hear this giant uh, battle going on between Moscow. They can't tell now. You can tell they're having a lot of trouble. You know, it's like a playwright who can't tell who the villain is in this play anymore, and they can't tell whether we're the imperialistic warmongers or, <laughs> or whether the Chinese are, are deviation revisionist. Uh, ideological splittists, or whatever it is they're called, and so in one sentence they will they will blame all everything on the, in the world on one the imperialistic warmongers and the deviation uh, communist revisionists, and <laughs> and it's getting to sound honest to John, it's getting to sound like one of the best uh, comedy routines I have ever heard in my life. And you know what intrigues me is is uh, in 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 connection with that is that we walk around here. And there's all kinds of guys doing satire, all kinds of uh, people are writing articles and all that. And, and uh, the, the, chief, uh, the chief thing that is the part and parcel and the meat and the blood of most of the satirists who work today is what they call the phoniness of America. Now, this is a great favorite word of the satirists. I wonder what these guys would do if they ever heard real phoniness going on. I mean, the real thing, you know, oh, boy. <laughs> oh, wow. I mean, it's, it's, it's unbelievable, just fantastic. And, and yet, uh, yet uh, nevertheless, there, there are large numbers of people who, who, really, who really believe that phoniness is an American product. In fact, it gets so insane that today it came over the wires. Of course, you see, the rest of the world has agreed on that, too. Uh, and that get, lets them all nicely off the hook, you see, because Americans are constantly saying it, so, you know, they don't have to say it anymore. So it gets so nutty that, that in Sweden they had a, a nationwide poll, and they found out that the overwhelming number of Swedes would like to get rid of their wives and marry a Japanese girl. You see, this is the Japanese girl myth. Well, I know a guy that married one. And believe me, she made him in the coleslaw with Russian dressing in about 20 minutes.